0: This is the drive-in podcast. Take one. Bar boom Welcome to episode 129 of The Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have our review of Jordan Peele's number one film at the box office. Nope. The third in his career. So use the bathroom now. Grab that popcorn and enjoy episode 129 of The Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, duty! Welcome to episode 129 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn. Very excited to bring you a very special review. One of the major blockbusters of this year. Non-superhero related. Coming off from our Comic-Con podcast. Coming off quite a high with our most anticipated Multiverse Saga project. Coming up uh, with phases 4 through 6 of the MCU. I'm joined by Ricky Flicks. Ricky Flex, how excited are you to get away from superheroes a little bit and talk some Jordan Peele?
1: I'm actually super excited because Jordan Peele is one of the best directors for the for audiences today. Original creators, again, nope, highest-grossing original movie at the box office since *Us*. Another Jordan Peele movie. So in 2019, so everything makes sense in the in this world if it's jordan peele original content original creation box office hit i'm ready to review this movie it's so rare to find a
0: a basically a director that causes audiences to go to the theater right Right. where it's like it's a you know a jordan peele movie is going to do well at the box office you know it's going to create thought-provoking conversations following get out us and now nope which is kind of taking the internet by storm alongside what happened with comic-con right um i mean i think we also i know i said we're gonna stray away from comic-con and what's happening in the superhero world but i think we'd be remiss and not true to ourselves unless we talked about the major news that dropped regarding right an upcoming Avengers movie, Avengers, Kang Dynasty. We discussed last episode who might be the director for this upcoming MCU project, even for Secret Wars. We threw out ideas like uh, Kevin Feige with a onslaught of great Marvel directors on his side, potentially taking over the project. Not what we're going to get with Kang Dynasty. We're getting officially destined Daniel Critton from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. He will be taking on, The next Avengers movie following Avengers Endgame. Ricky Flex instant reactions to hearing that Cretton
1: is taking the reins. It's something because clearly I think Marvel knows, especially after this weekend, like we talked about yesterday, is like. Phase four wasn't a super success, right? I think it's up for debate. What is the best project out of phase four or what the best movie was? If you had to go movies, Shang-Chi probably was the best. And I think a lot of people have also been talking like, oh, did the Russo's bro- brothers come back for Avengers Phase 6, either for Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars? Obviously, now we know for a fact they're not going to be coming back for Kang Dynasty. Feige also mentioned how is probably not coming back ever this past weekend at Comic-Con. So it's like, all right, who's going to be? And I remember you asked me, like, who's going to direct these Avengers movies? And I didn't have a good answer because it's like, all right, do they go back to the well? John Watts? Uh, dude, Sam Rami's gotten this huge praise for the second half of Dr. Strange. And he's clearly has some secret wars elements. If they decide to bring back the Spider-Man, right. It's just like, who's going to, who's capable of directing such a big project? Well, King dynasty, they went back to phase four, which I just find so interesting. Maybe the biggest success phase four. And again, this is no disrespect uh to uh Dester Daniel Cretin, Destin, I, Destin. Yeah. Thank you. I don't, yeah, I don't know how many more. We got to get used to saying that. Name. How many other Destins do you know? Destins. But uh, I only know him for Shang-Chi and Just Mercy. Just Mercy, the Michael B. Jordan, Jane Fox movie. I don't know him, any of his other work, but it's okay. I Hopefully, the I will. my only worry now is the visual effects. For visual effects in Kang Dynasty is my only worry. I think the story will be good. Destin. <laughs> Destin he writes his own screenplays so he definitely has a passion for his, whatever he puts into it but i'm just a little nervous about the actual director the directing uh the visuals here especially from chang chi
0: i don't like what i find interesting is that he was only announced to be directing kang dynasty we're getting two avenger movies in 2025 apparently the last time we had two avenger movies so close together the russo brothers directed both films with infinity war and endgame makes me think about the continuity if they're going to shoot both films at the same time if cretin's going to be there for secret wars i would say no if they just announced he's doing kang dynasty agree right and which is what to me is fascinating because Like, what are those films going to feel like? Are they going to feel that similar, okay, with them coming out such close in tandem, right? And Cretan, what you know you're going to get, judging by Shang-Chi, right, you're going to get great action sequences. And I think that's important when you have so many characters coming together. It actually makes more sense to me that he would do a Secret Wars film based on the combat that you're likely to see in that movie compared to Kang Dynasty. But one of the best things about, Shang Chi, which I plan on visiting again tonight, based off this news. Um, the last scene, like when you think about the bus sequences and the scaling of the buildings in Shang Chi, but the final fight between Tony Leung and Simu Liu, I thought was it looked spectacular. Yeah, I know we we had some criticisms on the CGI, particularly when they go into that second world in Shang Chi, um, and you have a big like CGI like muck fest at the end. So. I get why people are critical, but I also am excited by these sequences. And he must have had an amazing pitch to Foggy. Um, and it almost—it's a little different because Russo brothers—he has the experience. They had the experience with the Captain America: Winter Soldier, Civil War, two of the most successful Marvel movies outside of the Avengers. Joss Whedon, when he comes in to do Avengers and then Age of Ultron, uh, was a an acclaimed TV director right it didn't have a huge prestige upon his name uh it kind of feels like we're going back to Whedon a little bit here okay less reliance or less like the when you look at the resume it's not overwhelming and it's not where it's obvious I feel like this was a very subtle pick and especially after coming off phase four which many fans saw were saw was underwhelming I think it's a little bit surprising now
1: I, I I would say so very underwhelming for, for sure and when yeah. you said he must have had a good pitch for feige what does that bring me back to <laughs> chloe zhao eternal eternals the best pitch kevin feige's ever heard and mm-hmm. eternals might be the worst marvel movie <laughs> oh man i didn't even put that two and two together He's oh my gosh so that doesn't make me even more excited for this but hey i i, I have faith i i do have faith i i just think ken Again, what do we saw in Loki? What, what, what are we going to see in the quantum realm and Ant-Man quantum mania with Kang? Visuals are just so important. So they got to bring someone else on, not who, not a frequent collaborator with this guy because clearly it didn't work for Chang chi at least in my opinion. And I think in, they need in an Avengers-style movie, that is what's going to matter. Not necessarily the hand-to-hand combat because you know what most of these superheroes in Marvel do? Not hand-to-hand combat. And if they do, it's with their powers. That's why in, a, in an Avengers movie, they're so important, not hand-to-hand combat in a Shang-Chi movie. So it's just again, it makes me a little nervous, but especially with the Chloe Zhao now re- reference there. But hey, like I, I'll still be optimistic here going into uh Kang Dynasty.
0: I think Shang-Chi was also unexpectedly large scale compared to what I thought was coming from that movie. So it gives me a little more of like a uh, hope with this with Cretin's higher you know uh but i am curious like if they they just announced kang dynasty like what are their plans for secret wars a project of that magnitude and they're shooting so close back to back like what the cast is gonna have to go through right totally different writing style potentially we don't know if the same writers are going to be coming on for dynasty kang dynasty and secret wars and the directorial vision like, that could get kind of hazy if you're going from one director to the next with the same cast in a direct sequel. To me, I think it kind of points to the fact that these probably aren't coming out in the same year. Because I feel like Kang Dynasty, you're going to want to see what the results are. What if Cretan kills it? And what if you say, like, okay, he's going to be the next guy for Secret Wars? Or if he doesn't do well, right – which way do we turn to next based on the results? To me, it's just kind of tough to examine in that regard, the Russo brothers, there was just supreme confidence in them following what they did with the Captain America franchise. Like here we're getting Cretton, Who's done one successful project, like semi successful for the MCU. And it was kind of hard to tell what that success was in the age of COVID. Right. And we're judging the box office based in that regard. So I, I guess Feige just must love this guy's vision and love his style. Uh, but it just has me kind of skeptical if he isn't the guy for Secret Wars.
1: I I also just, since since you said it, I don't think he's directing Secret Wars because I think that these are two totally separate Avengers movies, in my opinion. Feels like it. Like, I think the reason that they're coming out the same year is because they, like, of course, they correlate. It's Marvel, and it's one fate. It's, like, one phase of – it's phase six, right? I don't think Kang and Secret Wars, like, yes, they'll be correlated, but, like, not – to an extent like Infinity War and Game War. It's not like that at all. I think there's two separate stories that are going to happen. I think it's more likely, another hot take coming at you, it's more likely that Secret Wars gets split into two movies than it is for these to be like directly... Like... I feel like
0: Secret Wars is way too big to be one movie. Imagine yeah. they have to cut in like three different movies for so, Avengers and I Phase think 6.
1: Right, so I think it's more important like to make sure they don't over uh, like try to stuff everything into one movie... Versus, oh, let's just split this out in two movies, have a director's vision along with Feige and split it out between two with so many different characters and storylines happening within that one movie. Split it out between two, make sure it's right under the same vision under Feige and whoever's directing it.
0: Yeah, like, I I don't think we can add much to this just because we've, we've seen limited projects from Cretan himself. We don't know what the outlook's going to be for Secret Wars Part 1 or 2. All we know is that right now, Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are going to be in the same year. OK, and and, Ken, and Kang, we're going to see probably a lot of variants in one movie for Kang Dynasty. Right. Hence the name of the movie. So maybe we're only going to see uh, a minimal number of variants in Secret Wars, if any, of Kang and Secret Wars, depending on how like the Avengers take him on. Will it end the same way as Infinity War in a losing effort? right that's what i saw on like twitter people were like so the avengers lose again <laughs> that's what i saw so two two Avenger movies in one year they're gonna lose at the end of the first one you know but i don't think it's gonna work that way i just for some reason i think they want to like get back to that success that infinity infinity war Endgame feel where the hype of the crowd okay and audiences and the expectations i think i think it's just gonna be crazy and i think they're gonna want to differentiate I, from the last two films
1: i definitely if i had to like Put out a guess here or a feeler is like Kang is going to be more directly towards like the Marvel characters that were in phases one through three that are still left, and also the new characters and from yep. phase four and Secret Wars is whoever's left, and then in Fantastic Four, X Men, like bringing all the opposite new people of if any people exactly, yeah. exactly. That's where it's my like kind of interpretation of it, not mm-hmm. necessarily like the uh, like Kang. Yeah, in Secret Wars, like you're saying.
0: Yeah, it's like Earth 616 has to deal with all these different variants of King the Conqueror. Secret Wars is the culmination of all these characters coming back and then taking on a large number of villains. And I think that's why like the scale of that is basically nothing like Blockbusters have ever seen. It's crazy. Uh but I guess moving on from Avengers, this episode's not about the Avengers. We do have to pay tribute to a Hollywood legend. Right and also a TV legend, so Paul Sorvino, best known for his role in the God, oh not The Godfather, excuse me, Goodfellas, right, the cousin of The Godfather, and also from Law and Order. Paul Sorvino passes away at the age of eighty-three. Ricky Flex, what was your relationship like with Mister Sorvino?
1: Yeah, you know, just I think it's everybody's, right? You know, yeah. a pure artist at his craft, <laughs> pure artist at his craft at cutting, cutting the onions, so essential. I think we Catholic. all know. Again, like this guy, hey, he's Paul He's a great guy. I think everyone knows for the same reasons. If it's not Goodfellas, probably Law and Order, right? Those are the two things I think of. The only two things I think of. It's not like he was a Robert De Niro or anything. Like we were talking about um, last week. Unfortunately, we were talking about another death of James Conn. Like he wasn't. This guy wasn't James Conn, but obviously a big authoritative figure in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Always play the boss or just like an authority figure, and everyone recognized him. Very recognizable. Um, definitely sudden, but again, like, you know, it's tragic passing again, TV legend as well. Um, obviously this show kind of focuses more on prestige TV if we do talk TV. So we didn't really talk a lot of law and order on this show, but no, like sad, of course. And again, one of the best mob bosses we've seen.
0: Yeah. Like, I feel like he does such a great job as a mob boss because he has such a presence. He doesn't have to say much and you could tell he, almost like you talked about De Niro It's like De Niro almost has that snarl on his face, no matter what gangster movie he's in. Like Sorvino, you could just tell he is the powerful figure here. He doesn't have to say much, but you could tell by the presence. And then when it does say something, you knew it was important. And when he's talking one-on-one, I just think of like those scenes with Ray Liotta where he's like, it seems like they have this type of relationship, but you know what? If that relationship goes south or you cross me, right? There's hell to pay. And he never exactly said that, but he implied it with every action he took and uh yeah rest in peace cuz i'm like i once again i'm going to watch shang chi tonight probably going to do another i to, i watched goodfellas like a couple of weeks ago uh in honor of ray liotta i'm going to have to watch it again in honor of paul sorvino you know it sucks that we're losing all of these amazing like gangster actors right these mob bosses Mr. and Sopranos,
1: like Sopranos, uh probably walnuts in there too
0: dude it's crazy it's un- it's, it's it's totally unfair like yeah, like, liotta, joe and, Con, like joe pesci like, and De Niro are,
1: like joe pesci and cannero better like
0: say their prayers at night like i'm nervous hey, I'm, hey. I'm, whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> dude we're losing
2: everything
0: what are we doing uh, I'm, do i cut
2: that Shit.
0: <laughs> you can't cut it
1: but we gotta don't just tone know, it gonna down i'm gonna bleep out second. the
0: swear but like i mean dude we're we've lost four iconic mob actors in the last month and a half that is nuts
1: it's pretty nuts like we just gotta take it easy <laughs> We gotta Sorry. take it easy. i thought We can't be jinxing that. things. I'm
0: cutting that. I'm cutting that. I, I can't live that with above my head. I, I can't I can't live that. If that did happen, like holy crap, Ricky, stop. stop, stop. We're moving on. We're moving on. We have an important review today. We have to go to Jordan Peele's new number one hit at the box office. I believe it collected 44 million, right? in it's open weekend. So let's go to the Rotten Tomatoes, and get to the IMDB and synopsis before we jump in right to nope. Rotten Tomatoes has NOPE at 83% critic score, along with a 71% audience score. Interesting. IMDb currently has the movie at a 7.6 out of 10. Synopsis reads that two siblings, played by Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, Palmer, they run a California horse ranch, and they discover something wonderful and sinister in the skies above. While the owner of an adjacent theme park, played by Steven Yoon tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. Okay kind of a mysterious type of synopsis, Ricky Flex. Before we jump into this movie, we have one of the most innovative and unique directors, I think of our lifetime with Jordan Peele, right? We know him familiarly from Key and Peele skit show with Keegan-Michael Key, right? But all of a sudden he makes Keanu, right? With Keegan-Michael Key. And then he goes on to make, he goes on to become this prolific blockbuster horror director. So I guess what I want to start with is what makes audiences so fascinated by Peel. Why is he such a name in the know in 2022?
1: I think it's a combination of a couple things here. I think one, it's similar to Quentin Tarantino. This guy just loves cinema. He loves movies. He's an audience member himself. He likes to watch these Mm.
2: movies.
1: And I think that he tries to implement that in his stories. And I think it's like, when me or you are pitching an idea like saying, oh, it'd be cool if a movie did this, he actually does it. Similar to like a Quentin Tarantino. And I think that's like a big thing. And I think just in Get Out, Us, this movie, the twists and turns, I think those are just something that audiences want to see. Nothing that's formulaic. Um, I just think that he creates his own path And the original con- uh, creation that I mentioned earlier um, in the pod, I think Jordan Peele, Tarantino, two guys that just do it better than anybody. And I think the other aspect is, again, people will call this a horror. I don't. This is a thriller in my eyes. And I think that's why it makes it so good is because those has the horror elements. It has the thriller elements. It has sci-fi elements. It has so many different elements that are intertwined together in a nice, cohesive story that makes sense but also leaves you thinking. It makes you going away from the theater like what is like what did I just watch? And it's a conversation starter. It's like, did you go see Nope? Did you go see Us? Did you go see Get Out? You know, it's a phenomena a little bit, right? Every all all of his movies. That's again, so We're to Tar- Tarantino again, um, but hit. Uh, but Jordan Peele is more of a mind-bending. Like in this movie, like what? Why the heck is this going on? Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. So we're not there yet. But um, yeah, I think those are like the two biggest things I would say. Um, why he's so powerful right now in Hollywood I agree with you I think his films are
0: important in this day and age where everyone likes to fire off their own takes you know Ricky Ricky flicks a hot takes God over there I think that his films are so thought-provoking and sometimes like the message, messages of them can be interpreted in different ways especially no, right more so than uh especially get out. And uh, definitely more so than us, right? Us still could generate that type of conversation where people like discuss the themes and what maybe what was like the overall um, intent of Jordan Peele. I think it's so great in this day and age where everyone loves to have opinions on movies. And I think everyone's addicted to like Jordan Peele movies because they want to say like, okay, this is what he wanted to do with that scene. This is what like the overall intent of the movie was and this or that. I think also you talked about, which I think was an astute of observation he cares about movies. He loves movies. Like, nope, you can tell, like, he's finding, especially Steven Spielberg seemed to be like be like an inspiration for this movie. This seems like to be a more mainstream idea, a UFO type of movie. Like, I know you talked about Close Encounters of the Third Time, a third of the third, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, I personally, I thought of Jaws the entire time I was watching this movie. Like, it just felt like that. You had, like, I'm not going to go into details of the movie in general because I don't want to do any spoilers. We're going to do that later. But it's like trying to capture this thing, all right? And this thing is actually haunting a specific territory. And it's trying to – but it adds into like a 2022 element of like clout chasing and trying to like capture that moment and make sure that you can profit off of it, something that very is connective to 2022. So it's like adopting old school like styles from Steven Spielberg, but also applying – like, themes that are very much 2022-based. 2022, 2022 excuse me. So, going into this movie, Ricky Flex, what were your expectations? Like, did you think, like, after seeing the trailers, I know you said this was your most anticipated of this year, okay? Why did you say that, other than the fact that it's a Jordan Peele film?
1: Yeah, so, besides the Batman, and I would say Kills of the Flower Moon, this would be, because I think Scorsese is Scorsese. True, Forgot Leo, about those. Leo is, is Leo. I would say this I was more expecting than Babylon. Okay. The Damien Chazelle movie. That was four. This was three. And it's because of what we talked about. The twists, turns, get out us. What is Jordan Peele thinking in his original creative mind? And what am I going to see? Daniel Kaluuya just won an Oscar, right? Uh, Kiki Palmer, little comeback trail hero hustlers. Now this, she's going to be another projects going forward. She, she was good in this excited to see her going forward. Steven Yeun, Steven Noon hot actor right now one of the mm-hmm. best right now working I would say as well just like on a trajectory towards an Oscar an Oscar nom a couple of years ago same year Daniel Kaluuya I'm excited to see what he was going to bring to the table so not only was I excited to see this these performances but all, and also Jordan Peele what is going to happen in the story but just you know from the prior work and the like these these actors who are on the come up Combining with Jordan Peel, who's now formidable, I would say also a lot of these actors are from, are now formidable. It's like the combination of the two forces coming together just made this huge for an alien movie for a guy that loves horror thriller elements. It's like, okay, it's like a Spielberg. It's like a Spielberg event. Which we were just talked yeah. about, which I really like was looking forward to. And I, I think those are like the things where like gets you talking after the theater, after you go see it with other people. And did you, like, did you go see this movie that's non-superhero? Those are the best uh, uh, events or best circumstances, in my opinion, when it, when it relates to movies.
0: In terms of the promotion, I think that when it comes to the cast, when you think of like Daniel Cluya, you said coming off the Oscar, his relationship with Jordan Peele off of Get Out, them reuniting. For yet another like horror slash thriller blockbuster, Kiki Palmer, someone that we have a relationship with through *Aquila and the b and like Disney Channel projects, all of a sudden like stepping her game up for Jordan Peele movie. Stephen Yoon, right? Obviously, Academy Award nominated actor and someone that we're a huge fan of, like in a supporting role where he's playing like an Asian American cowboy. Like, what is happening right now? But also the unexpectedness of Jordan Peele movies. I think that's something we have a trait we have to talk about with Jordan Peele because you know, as an audience member, you can watch the trailer a zillion times. You could try and basically call out certain scenarios, but somehow Jordan Peele knows he's going to flip the audience on their head. He's going to present something you did not see coming. And that's exactly what this movie did. So in terms of the cast, the way Jordan movie Jordan Peele movies usually play out, like expectations were sky high here. So I guess what were your initial reactions upon leaving the theater
1: and seeing Nope? I thought it was really good. I I think my yeah, my initial reaction was like wow, that was a spectacle. Like incredible visuals. Uh I love the twist. There's a couple twists here, but there's like one big one that was great. I thought it was like that was like oh, that's the original mine right there. Like that's like definitely like you and your friends, you're late at night, you're thinking about stuff. It's just like this one's like so cohesive and clear. I do think it was very clever what he did. I also had my, uh, some, I was like, wow, that was long. (laughs) That was long. Some things were drawn out. I wish I saw some things and wish I saw less of other things. Um, But at the end of the day, this was, like I said, a spectacle. It was another event saying, did you go see Nope? Right. And I think that it wasn't the same thing as to a get out, but my initial reaction, and I could say the same thing now four days later. Yeah. I liked it better than us.
0: I definitely did as well.
1: Is it better than get out?
0: I don't think so. But I will say I left the theater like in a gasp. Like I felt like I watched an event when I left that theater. Yes, there were some issues with the pacing. Yes, some of the the, the decision making in terms of the writing, a little questionable. The ending, I find a little bit questionable as well. But I would say it kind of just the experience and the unexpectedness of this movie, the visuals, the sound, it made up for everything like i i had an amazing time seeing this movie and i thought the performances also matched the spectacle that was this movie and we're going to talk about those performances in a sec but um i guess also you also you brought up the fact like jordan peel movies sometimes like they feel like more like a thriller been a horror movie like what did the scares provide in this one was it more than like let's say us or get out right do you think you was there any moment where you did feel scared i guess non-spoiler wise before we get into spoilers
1: later on no like scared not really like there was one scene there's one scene i was scared but like that was just like creepy (laughs) um
0: that's a part of being scared for
1: sure yeah so i would say there's one scene and it wasn't even related to the main story, I would say, in this movie. Questionable. Um, but then there's another one I would say it's like definitely like that's a horror vibe. That definitely a horror vibe. But again, like this was very, like we said, there. The, it was slow. It was slow a lot. The final act was very good. Um, definitely like what were the risk was worth the reward, right? And yeah, I think the scares, if you had to call them scares, like they were good. I wouldn't call them like horror like screams like uh like flash scares
2: you know what I mean no, like jump, scares. Very yeah, few no jump, jump scares yeah no jump scares thank you jump very scares. few
1: no no jump scares it was more like whoa. building attention bro like like yeah. this is where peels
0: a master the building attention of this movie was pretty good
1: yeah yeah no it was good I just I again like for me this is another classic like yeah I could definitely see some horror elements but this isn't a horror
0: it's kind of interesting because obviously you have like a UFO perspective in this movie and you think a lot of UFO movies, none are that, that scary. Like, what do you think of with like, like horror thriller, UFO movies? I think of alien, right? That's like what comes to mind also, right? Building of tension.
1: More, I would but, say that's, that was scarier, like alien scary than this movie.
0: Yes. I think I, I, I don't want to like have too deep too in depth of a conversation about that because it's right, going to go yeah. into spoilers for sure. But I do think the scariest moment did not even include the aliens. That'll be like the tease for later on in the podcast because there was a scene when it comes to the writing uh, where it's, I think it's taken the internet by storm because whoever's seen this movie, they talk about a certain moment, okay, where there is a chimp, right? There is a monkey, okay? So this scene didn't seem like it worked for you, Ricky Flux. It didn't necessarily work for me yet. I think with the Jordan Peele movie, so, I I don't want to talk about this This is kind of tough to talk about, but this is why Jordan Peele movies are interesting because he can throw in a scene like this and you know, he's a creative genius and you're going to, there's going to be debate on why a certain scene was included. Like did it have something to do with the UFOs? Okay. Does it have something to do with the overall theme of the movie? All right. Or the characters that are being portrayed. All right. Specifically Stephen Yoon. Okay. So although I know we're just, I'm just saving this for the non-spoiler section. There's gonna be decisions made in this movie that you kind of question, but you all I almost have leniency towards a Jordan Peele when he makes these type of creative decisions because I think there's something going on. And it goes with the idea of thought-provoking conversations that are related to his movie. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I think you summed it up well. I think that yeah, I, I think the on spoiler again, just to say, yeah, I, I definitely like the UFO element here. Like if you think back to like close encounters of the third kind, like you're not scared throughout that movie. Like again, another Spielberg movie you're not scared like you might have been in jaws right but like i know how you said you kept thinking of jaws throughout this i definitely see those elements especially the ending um but again it's just the direct correlation with aliens i'm gonna be thinking of close encounters like for sure yep so that's why i'm like oh like again like i don't think you need to jump scares i think it was good without them to be honest i think that it was better without them because it's not as like not corny but um it's not cliche or it's not trying to like win you because of that. It's winning you because it's a good story. It's a good movie in general, not because of how scary it is.
0: Yes, and I agree with all that with this movie. Like, I don't think it was overwhelmingly scary, but I still think it's an all-time thriller. Like, like for me, like, I, I, per- I like this is one of the best thrillers I've seen in a movie theater. I'm gonna say that, okay? Um, and I think you're gonna be able to tell based on my score for this movie, but I also think because the visuals were so good. Um, I, we're going to get into the performances afterwards, but like I found myself st- like looking at the screen and there's so many shots in the sky and I feel it felt like the cinematography was so intentional. It almost felt like I was looking at somehow there was two lines in the middle of the screen to indicate where potential UFOs were going to be sucking up like, horses or human beings. Did you see that? Did you find yourself looking at the sky and trying to find, like, portals, like, two lines that are shooting straight down, almost I, Star Trek-esque? Did you I, see that, or was I seeing things?
1: No, I also saw that. I don't know if that was our our, our screen. or That's so what that was, I was curious about. I, I, <laughs> I actually thought it was our screen uh, with those two lines in the middle consistently throughout the movie. I think that was our, just our screen. Uh, I don't know what was going on with our AMC. But, um no, I what I will say is that I... I this is gonna sound so stupid to say, but I was literally like following with my with my head like around around the screen, tracking, You're and, tracking, like, actually, you're like looking up. I felt like I was in Dolby. We, we did not see this in Dolby, but like in Dolby, you could hear the sounds like going from like that actually like carry with the screen. Like if you're flying a plane, it goes from the right side to the left side of the screen, and the sound will go. And the same thing with the theater, the sound will go from the right side of the theater to the left to follow the screen. Mm-hmm. I was like doing that with like the imaging and the visuals in this movie with the UFO and everything going on. I'm, I'm, again, no spoilers. So it's just like, holy crap. That, it, the visuals were just insane. And I thought, I thought that like honestly, it didn't carry the movie at all. I'm just saying that that like made it like the spectacle that I was referring to in the beginning. It wasn't the actual movie. Like the Get Out, I would say it wasn't the visuals, even though they there were great visuals. It was actually like what happened. This one, I would say the other way, where it's like, wow, this is a spectacle because it's so beautiful. It's amazing.
0: It was beautiful. And I think we're going to go even deeper to talk about the UFO when we go into spoilers. But even the sleekness of the look that we saw in a still image before we saw this movie, I thought it looked incredible. I felt like I was watching a start, like a modern day Star Trek episode or a modern day Star Trek movie with how cool and slick this like white. Like a Lamborghini S spaceship, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It looked like it was like it's some type of like luxurious spaceship compared to anything I've ever seen on film. (laughs) It
1: looked incredible. And I think, I think think it was weird because, too, like this is like out in the the Tesla spaceship, Tesla. Tesla, (laughs) I like that Tesla spaceship, but it's also weird because, like, you know, this is out, like, I don't know, I kept thinking like Idaho, but like, no, this is like in California, like, yeah. So you just kept like having that remember in your mind like oh like no we're in we're in California we're like 30 minutes outside LA or whatever Hollywood it's like so weird and then you just have a random ass like steaming young character jupe uh carnival thing going on here it's just a tourist trap and then you got a UFO around like it's just like seems so weird um and and you got horses going around so it's just everything kind of combined into like such a unique circumstance for the movie when you're going to see this movie that kind of combines into this element of like holy crap it all works out
0: because you felt like you were watching like a cowboy rancher type movie for a little bit you know especially with kaluuya's type character who's such like a quiet intensity to him that like falls into like a you know it's just like a like a cowboy john wayne type of character right where you know like like it's just he's going to explode towards the end of the movie he's Uh, Confident in himself, but we could tell what a lot of directors do, by the way. I noticed that this is the first time Jordan Peele has done this. They always seem to make a movie about the make, they make a movie on the making of movies, right? Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Chazelle coming out with Babylon. Like they love to analyze Hollywood, but this was an opportunity for Jordan Peele to look at the industry in a way that I think very few people have ever done. They talk about horse ranchers that train horses for movies, right? In that regard, it provided like almost a landscape to shine this very niche part of filmmaking and kind of like a, tell a larger story or send a message on like animal exploitation, which I think was overall a huge message of the movie. A one of many messages or themes that I kind of saw. But I just find it fascinating that he chose, right? He makes this story regarding like the first, like Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya's great, 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 great grandfather, who's the first to be a jockey on the horse of the first moving image, which is a man riding a horse. Then you look at the legacy of their family and their dad, who is this great horse trainer. And Daniel Kaluuya has to take up this man. Kiki Palmer looks less interested, more in like a personal, almost like a bratty type of sister. She wants to kind of, be an actor herself and, like, create this art for herself. I just think it's interesting how he makes a movie on, like, Hollywood legacy. Like, to me, that's kind of interesting. I never thought about. And I think not many, like, people would think about making a movie, a UFO type of alien thriller on horse ranchers in Hollywood. To me, that's super unique and partly what makes Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele.
1: And also, like, like he didn't – like, this was totally fake. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's creative. What's the biggest like, thing. Like, like, like it, he didn't, like – like this is like uh, the first person on screen wasn't actually a black horse rider. Like it, like on a movie screen, like it wasn't. So like him, just to think of that, just like so random, but yet it works so well in this movie and everything put together. So that's why, like, and again, like he has like, this, this, the people around him, the cinematographer, the, uh, also other writers, producers, like they're all with them in the previous other two movies. So you could definitely tell like by this movie, like they're starting to hit a rhythm, you know, good things comes in threes, third movie. This definitely worked. And I think going forward in the future, I don't know what the heck he's gonna do next, but it seems like now going forward with this team, they'll just only get better and better with the story and unique and the uniqueness of them.
0: The cinematographer is the guy who did Interstellar. And it you can you can tell, especially by the second half of this movie, it just feels almost like they've accomplished the impossible. It feels like it's literally like, how did they do this in terms of the last sequences, the final act of this movie, but also building that tension, what's happening in the sky in basically the second act in the last part of the first. Uh, I think I want to talk about the actors, Kaluuya, Palmer, Yoon, right? The big three there. And then Brandon Perea, who's well, a scene stealer, right? As basically a Radio Shack type of employee who's, helps, like, who's interested in UFOs and he wants to help Kiki Palmer and uh, Daniel Kaluuya capture that elusive, impossible shot of the alien and profit off of it. So, what do you think of the cast here? I guess we could start off with Kaluuya. What are your thoughts on him reuniting with Peele?
1: Kaluuya definitely reserved character in this movie, or the reserved character in this movie. But yet, you still—it's kind of like a character study of him, I would say, and his development throughout uh, over over most of the other cast. I guess not Stephen Yeun, uh, but like his is kind of like just like based on what happens. You understand what happened to his character. Clearly it's like, you're kind of like going along with him. Right. And it's changing of this mindset and everything. And I thought I did a great job. And I, I say the same thing about Steven Yeun. I thought he was great in a limited uh, screen time. I'm not asking for more Steven Yeun in this movie, even though I think I would have liked a little more, but I, at the end of the day, like this movie already was pretty, pretty long, uh, longer than it should have been. So I'm not going to you know, hate my or not going to say that Kiki Palmer, again, charismatic, like, definitely based on her character, she definitely delivered. I think that she was great. Um, and then lastly, is it Brandon? Brandon? Brandon Perea. Perea. At first, I didn't like him. At first, I was like, like when they were in the store, like, meeting him for the first time, I did not think that was a good scene for him. But then, when he gets to the ranch, he, get, he gets moving, and then he becomes one of the group. Like, I I did think he was, like, the comic relief. But then again, like, also hit the, hit the right notes uh, going forward with the rest of the group. And I think it worked really well. I thought he actually like came through and this is definitely going to be a breakout for him. And, and again, when I say breakout for some people, it's like, Oh, breakout to a lister, you know, this one, like Sebastian stands, like a, example, we always talk about, but for him, it's more like, Oh, getting more projects because like can you name anything else that this guy's done i can't off the top of my head so i think that now it's like oh like we'll remember him for this as his breakout but like he'll start getting recognized in other things and bigger projects which i i'm happy for him because i think he deserves it after this performance
0: yeah like i mean i like Perea here too he honestly had more screen time than steven Yoon. <laughs> he so did. it's like like if you have more screen time to steven union a jordan peele movie you're gonna have success i know he's campaigning on social media a lot he wants to be a marvel superhero <laughs> with all this comic-con news going on he puts out videos of him doing flips and stuff have you seen this
1: yeah i, I was like i was looking at his uh he's Twitter got skills after. he's got skills
0: like he, he he's pretty good <laughs> i'm not gonna lie like and i can see him being cast like in some type of mcu movie soon but uh honestly like he's got to build up the resume a little bit Kaluya. I, I, I looked at this as a potential breakout for Kiki Palmer after, like, being hidden for so many years or just, like, she's been doing other things. Uh, and this is her, like, going back into the mainstream and being more ta- and taken more seriously, like, as an actress. But for me, this, like, solidified my takeaway from the acting is that Kaluuya is just the man. Like, he is awesome. Even in that quiet, reserved role, I thought he murdered it. Like, some other actors, I would just, like, say like, okay, yeah, they were in the film. But like, even with his quiet intensity, he does have a presence. And like his character development throughout, I thought was cool. Talking about living up to a family legacy. And you see his quiet, reserved role at the beginning of the movie when he's first training those horses, turning into basically a different character at the end. And basically, what does he have to do to maintain his family's legacy? And also, builds upon themes that we see in a lot of movies, like family and caring for your family and caring for your sister, one that he was at odds with at the beginning. I thought he was stellar in this movie, to be honest. And then, Kiki Palmer, uh, a lot of energy, ecstatic, you know, almost erratic in some of her performance at times. Uh, I thought she was great, you know. I did like, I, I thought she was going to be even better, but like, it's just like, it seemed like she was playing one level the entire time. Like, she was at this level, and didn't really vary from it. You know, Kaluuya was down here for a lot of the movie, right? But sometimes he would rise up and down, almost a roller coaster, but you knew he had that intensity to him. Kiki Palmer's like, out of 10, the entire movie, you know?
1: Yeah, you were were getting these vibes, and these rumors were swirling around, and kind of vibes that, like, Kiki Palmer might be the lead in this movie. But then upon viewing, like, I was a little surprised that, like, it wasn't really at all her lead. This was always Daniel Kaluuya. It was always Daniel Kaluuya. Like it was, it was his, it was his character that was being studied throughout, not Kiki Palmer's. And you could say definitely, like, definitely right there with Daniel Kaluuya, as in screen time. But I would say that Kaluuya is just the development and the actual, just like it's just the strength of the acting there is just there, and I think yeah. it was able, like, he was able to run. Even though this is such a reserved role for him, like you know it would have I mean? been
0: such a, like a gloss over for like a lot of other actors, but you're like noticing Daniel Klee is doing something yeah, while not yeah. doing much. That's a good way you know? to put it.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I I would also say it like- felt like
0: an old school cowboy movie, bro. Like the way he was acting, where it's like this guy is like almost, not like he's too cool for school, but he's just quiet, intense. Yeah, yeah, right. And I- he's waiting for his moments, and he's still not going to go over the top. Right with his performance at any point, but you still know who his character is. Like for some reason, it just works so well with his
1: with him in this movie. It's interesting to say that because like obviously, like you think cowboy movies, that uh, yeah, too cool for school. Um, for a lot of like Coolhand, like even like uh, even not even cowboy, but like kind of that era, like older era, um, like Butch cast Sundance Kid, you know, or like I don't know, like Clint Eastwood movies, like too cool for school is definitely the reckon, uh, definitely what you're thinking. But like in this movie, I never got that thought one bit.
2: That really never
1: me. yeah no like i, I was, was thinking like, oh, also this like guy is a shy like because i think cause like like uh no spoilers but um
0: i never thought it was too cool for it i just thought like also if i'm
1: making it's a very another shy character
0: yeah but if i'm making another parallel to like someone who's very comfortable in his surroundings you have an outsider intruding on his territory that's also like very much a, and he's like defending your territory that's a western movie that's a cowboy movie yeah.
1: And you know, he was definitely, that, like, out there to defend. And it might be, yeah, like, also, like, outside. just the
0: fact that he is a rancher in this movie. Like, I think that's also playing into my in my strew of thought. And also, I just think of, like, Jordan Peele is such a fan of, like, movies like this. You know, like, just, like, the history of, like, he's a cinephile. That I could just see him trying to make that connection personally, you know? Yeah. Um, I did want to talk about Steven Yoon for a sec because I think he did great. And I, I do think about what if Jesse Plemons maintained this role? I think he would have been amazing.
1: I actually I I was thinking about that in the theater, the flashbacks uh with Steven Young character. I'm like honestly like Jesse Plemons like I definitely could have seen this happening. And A I sense thinking,
0: of awkwardness to him, it would have been great.
1: I think like cuz yeah, cuz I think Plemons like you also think of uh uh what's the Jason Bateman uh bad game game. Night. Game night, thank you. Like he is just an awkward cat, and he's also more awkward looking, like Stephen Yoon. Like not the same awkwardness to it. I think he was great. I'm just saying, like I think Jesse Plemons actually, like his aura around him would have been better for the role, and that's why, like, it kind of makes sense why he was cast in it over like a Stephen Yoon at the start. um But at the end of the day, I do think I do think Stephen Yoon was good. I think uh, too. Yeah, I, th- I think his introduction introduction scene and so the line when he's going over his backstory and like the secret room and everything it's just like yeah that was pretty good like looking back on it that was better than what i gave credit for when i was actually watching in the theater like looking back but on, he's
0: an erratic guy too he almost is like dismissive of his own experiences you know when he's talking right. about and i think yeah and yeah.
1: i think of burning the south korean 2016 movie mm-hmm. uh, or 2018 no i think 2016 i think of that i'm like oh he's definitely like trying to Jordan Peele was probably thinking of that movie and like, Hey, just do what you did here. Channel that here. Exactly. But I think I would have rather seen a Jesse Plemons uh, more, but I think that it works in the, in the end it works out. And I love Steven. You so it doesn't matter.
0: Uh, so as we wrap up this non-spoiler section, of Ricky flex, and we jump into more details of this movie, I want to know your scores before we move on. So what are you going to give? Nope.
1: I, d- I do think the, the pacing is tough in the first two acts. All right. I also think that there's a couple storylines here again non-spoilers that I do like question myself on um, but then again I'm like oh but that's the point that's the point you want that open interpretation you want things to be like you want talking points and you want audiences to be intrigued by. So I think that uh, yes it has its drawbacks but it also helps And again visually striking I'm gonna go with an 87
2: mm-hmm.
1: 87 out of 100. Uh, I do think I want to see this again though. Uh, I could see it going either way, going higher or lower on a second watch. But for right now, 87 upon first watch.
0: Yeah, I got to see this again. I 100% need to see this again because there are some decisions made in terms of the writing of this movie that we're about to dive into in the spoiler section that uh, I wonder if they could have been made differently or maybe we're just giving Jordan Peele the benefit of the doubt. Just because we like them so much.
2: And that's I think what I'm of.
0: that's why I gave this movie a 90. Like I gave it a 90. And my score has actually gone down. I initially had this movie at like a 92, 93. But the more I had discussions with my friends who had seen it, I've talked about you with you about the movie. Not about you. I don't I would never talk trash about you, Ricky Flex. But uh having those conversations and just thinking about some of the decisions that were made, I'm starting to like think lesser and lesser of the movie. But when I just think about straight up what was my experience like in the theater? I told you, this is like, I walked out of there and I thought this is one of the best horror thrillers I've ever seen in the theater. Like just the experience of this movie was special. And that counts towards my rating. And I agree with you. The pacing of the first part was kind of bad. Like it was bad. And uh, it was like, obviously there was hinting at things that were coming in the future, but the second and third act hit so hard in this movie. And it had your heart pounding. For the basically the rest of the hour and the hour and a half that finished this movie, uh, I love the acting, and then thought-provoking. This is going to be one that's going to be discussed in film classes. I bet, and they're going to be analyzing that chimp scene, and they're going to be saying why was this why was this included? What made a director? What drove a director to make that type of decision? And I can't wait to hear. I listened to a Jordan Peele interview about the chimp scene, and uh, he was pretty. he was hiding a little bit, like he like it didn't seem like he wanted to give it away. Why exactly he kept that? It said that he it, the scene had been in his mind for a long time, and it could could have even been a case of him just saying, "I imagine this scene in a horror movie. I'm Jordan Peele. I can include this scene if I want to." Like it almost c- could come down to that. But uh, yeah, ninety out of 100, 87 for Ricky Flex. Let's now, uh, do you want to also quickly your top three P- uh,
1: Peele movies? What do you got? Get Out by far number one. I don't think this even comes close. I think Get Out, I, I would need to watch it again. But right now, I want to give it like a 97 out of 100. <laughs> it's, um, it's a banker. It's I, so good. I, I, I really want to give it a 97, like equivalent to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Tarantino, which is another thing, uh, just to relate back to Tarantino comments earlier. Uh, 97 out of 100 for that. This one's an 87. Us, I've only seen it once. And I think that's a problem. I think, it. think it's a problem that I don't want to revisit Us. Um, I mm. will, but I don't really want to. I think that's a huge issue. Uh, but I at the end of the day, I do think it was really good. Um again, twists didn't work for me, didn't hit. They didn't hit. I think they were clever, but I don't think they hit as hard as like Jordan Peele thinks they hit. I think that's a problem. And I think Elizabeth, actually, Elizabeth Moss in that was awesome. Other, of course, Winston Duke, Lupita DeWongo, everybody. Great. But yeah. that would be like 82, low 80s for me. I I uh I don't know. I think it's a big problem. I think the intro scene also not as good as what I think people think either. I think it's overrated as well. Um, and in the ending again, didn't hit as hard as I wish it did. And I think definitely not as hard as Jordan Peele thinks he did.
0: Get out by far number one, but I think Nope is too, but I don't have us that far away from Nope. Like I think us has the best acting maybe aside from like the key Stanfield was also amazing in get out by the way. Like, he is, like, like he, even that small supporting role, I still think it was one of the best performances. Kaluuya is also great, Academy Award nominated. Um, Get, like, Us was the scariest out of the three. I think yes. that should count for something. And it freaked me out. Great use of music in that, right? We got five on it. Lupita Nyong'o robbed of an Academy Award nomination. My Like, probably my favorite performance of that year, she kind of got robbed because she was playing two different roles. And uh, it's hard to get nominated for one over the other. It's just maybe you just got to give the whole performance like they should have. Yeah. So like us, I have a lot closer. I actually think the twist did hit at the end. Uh, just when you found out the switch of the character and the, the, it may, it kind of like blew my blew blew me away. You know, I was gonna say blew my brains out. I like that's poor wording, but it blew blew me away. Uh, nope. I gotta re- I gotta keep watching it because it could go up, could go down. Who knows? But can't wait to revisit it. I'm gonna see it in theaters again. That being said, we're going to move on from the non-spoiler section and we're going to go to our spoilers, right? Quick spoiler section for this movie. Spoiler time. For no, Ricky, what's going on with the chimp? What is that? So we get a flashback sequence. Stephen Dune is a child actor, right? He grows up and he ha- he creates uh, this, I think it's Jupes Park or something like that, creates an amusement park of sorts. But he has this traumatic experience as a child actor where a chimp loses control on the set of a show, okay, and then at Gordy's home, thats the name of the show, and ends up severely injuring and then possibly even killing members of the cast and audience that are in attendance. So what do you think was the purpose of this scene? What was Peel trying to do?
1: I've been bouncing around ideas in my head. I don't know. I think it's, again, open interpretation. I think no matter what Jordan Peele says, it doesn't matter. I think at the end of the day, it's about the open interpretation. I think that's a part of the reason why he's Mm -hmm. being so concealed about it. Um, For me, I at first thought, oh, like he saw this traumatic experience uh, with a chimp right like the the by the way the exploding knuckles they like created that that was hilarious and like the eyes.
0: et the et moment right
1: and like they like created the explosive knuckle punch that was like funny in my eyes i don't know why oh
0: my god like the like the boom yeah yeah, yeah.
1: exactly that, that was hilarious the touch and explode right um the first time it ever's been originated <laughs> exactly <laughs> jesus christ but, uh, that was going through your mind but uh, <laughs> no but i think just like when that you know that scene that et scene and then boom gets his, Sees the chimp's brain blown out. It's like, oh, like maybe like that carries with them the effect of like, oh, we got to treat animals, right? But then, and like that's why we got to treat this alien like this, like a worshiping alien type thing. But then again, like, oh, like he didn't learn, like, oh, he's still giving away horses he's still profiting off of an animal exploiting
0: horses yeah
1: so like i'm just trying to figure out like oh is it the exploitation of animals is it the treatment of animals is it just looking back on conquering your own fears is it um because like again like he's the only one that like quote-unquote survives i know the people don't die that get attacked by the chimp Like uh, maybe they do. We just don't know. Maybe remember like he in the scene, he's like, oh, like the first crush of my life. Co-star is here. Remember? Yeah,
0: she lived. But I don't know if everybody else did.
1: But like maybe he feels like, oh, like I like lived. So like I'm going to live through this. And like I have a way to connect with animals and other people like others don't. Maybe it's just him thinking higher than himself. But you you get my drift there. Like there's so many different ways you can go like interpreting this. I think that's the beauty of it. And I will say, just before you go, these might have been my favorite scenes in the movie. Dude, it was by because, far the scariest, of, bro. Because the suspense, suspense and tension, and are they going to actually show the chimp beating up on these humans? What's going to happen to Steven Jung and the chimp and everything like that? That was was like, those are the most riveting scenes in the movie. Not the not the alien. I, that's crazy to say. And you didn't even need to have the chimp in this movie. I really think if you just had Stephen Yeun's character take out the Gordy element, make it a little shorter, I think I might have the same grade on it, to be honest. I
0: agree with you. My biggest flaw with this scene is that you would think that Stephen Yeun coming off an incident like that, he would not exploit animals like Gordy was kind of exploited in Gordy's home. Like He wouldn't be using Right, these Hollywood horses to attract this uh, major, this UFO, this creature, okay, for an audience, right, to profit off of it. That makes no sense to me. Um, But also, like I talked with my friend Ty about this, who loved this movie, we were trying to decipher this scene. He was saying that it might just be a parallel to this UFO, right, who's basically terrorizing this one area, this one town, just like Gordy is terrorizing this one, this, this one set, right? And he's kind of like gaining, I don't know if he's gaining revenge or maybe like there is some type of territorial thing going on uh, with these aliens, but it just felt like a an obvious mm-hmm. parallel. That might be the obvious example, but to me, that one makes the most sense. It just doesn't feel like it still was necessary. It also felt like it was just an entertainment value that Jordan Peele felt was necessary to pair alongside, and he knew it was going to generate conversation. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I definitely can see that. But again, I didn't think of that. I thought of the parallel between the characters, Stephen Young and Daniel Kaluuya, OJ and Jupe. right? I'm thinking one's trying to, you know, he's an animal lover. He wants mm. to tame these horses, right? He doesn't want to sell them, but he has to. But then he wants to buy them back, right? He just wants to have these animals because that's his love, right? That's what he wants to do for his dad, for his family, for the ranch, Versus Jupe, it's like he wants to get rid of the, he wants to buy them just to get rid of them. He saw this animal, he exploited animal as a kid. I know this sounds weird to say because he was just an act, a kid actor. But like if we're going deeper, which we are clearly, then yes, exploiting a chimp for his own benefit, his career, for wealth. And he's doing the same thing here, these horses. And you could say the same same thing with the alien, trying to use the alien as an animal for his own personal uh, profit. Profit. So, so that's why I think the parallels woman. between the two of Stephen Yoon and Daniel Kaluuya is more so than the chimp to the UFO. But it's like, but I definitely see but that it, interpretation.
0: But it's like the difference in those two characters, right? They're not the same. I think is what you're saying. Like you're saying, June right, is trying to gain profit off of this, but Daniel Kaluuya, there's even a moment where he's trying to gain understanding. Of this UFO, he wants to be able to communicate with it. The goal is never to kill it, but at the same time, and uh, that's not what Stephen Yu was trying to do. He wasn't trying to kill it either; trying to make money. But like Daniel Kaluuya was, this is where the writing doesn't really make sense. Like they're still trying to gain that picture, they're clout chasing, and they're trying to gain that shot to make money off of it. To me, that doesn't make sense,
1: right? Then he's doing it to get the horses back.
0: Okay, yeah. I guess I, but,
1: I, but again this is my pro- this is another problem it's like yeah to me it's like kind of contradictory great. now exactly because you could say the animal thing but then again he's still like he's still killing horses or like you say the same thing but then again like you're still exploiting an animal to get other animals you know so it's kind of like eh, hit or miss you know um so I think was open interpretation is great but I don't think it was executed as well as I think he wanted it to be
0: I think I also want to like I know we can talk about this scene. I think this is gonna be analyzed for years upon years, just because the 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 spectacle that is this movie, it's a Jordan Peele movie, and also just the interesting decisions that are made. And a lot of times the decisions in his movies are overanalyzed. I feel like that's why, like I said, like like college movie like courses are gonna be talking about this for a long time. I think. Um, and I think people can have so many different interpretations of it too, and that's kind of the beauty of the scene. And it was also the scariest i 100 agree like my heart was pounding i curled up in a ball in my comfy like movie chair because i was scared out of my mind like what is going to happen i do want to criticize the cgi of that chimp it looked terrible
1: well it so i i think it looked terrible too but i think the cgi like there was actually a person playing the chimp yeah and then cgi on it yes i think the actual look of it it looked so fake like <laughs> so incredibly fake, fake. um, um I, I was not impressed with that uh I, I yeah, I was just shocked that it was even in the movie, and that was the very first scene. The very first scene of the, the way he's staring
0: at the camera. You felt you felt like it was a fourth wall break, but then you find out who he's actually looking at, and I'm yes, like, wow, that's it's chilling.
1: A, it's a POV chilling. of Steven Yeun's character, Ricky Jupe. It's it's that was actually chilling, like you said.
0: Uh I do want to talk about another decision made in this movie, one that you could not have guessed from this the trailers and the promotion of this movie, the fact that this unidentified flying object is actually a creature in and of itself and the way it can kind of transform and turn into this larger being. What did you think about this decision? And uh, it blew my mind. Honestly, I thought it was a really cool-looking, as I said before, like a Tesla-looking spaceship. But to find out this was actually consuming people, it wasn't just teleporting people or like beaming them up, like beaming up Scotty, like Star Trek style. It was consuming them and eating them right so what were your thoughts on that decision and did you see it coming
1: so I thought the decision was great clever loved it very unique yeah absolutely in love with it and I understand that the decision to kill it even though I think you didn't have to and I thought that it was very odd that they that was the decision for that but I think it was actually smart because this puts the uh, to end any discussions of a sequel And Jordan Peele wants to be free of sequels, probably. He wants to do his own creative ideas and not like a sequel or trilogy off of one thing, as he's talked about related to superhero movies on his press tour here for Nope. So I thought, okay, that's probably why they killed it. Now, I think the look of it at when it opened up was actually very, very good as well, visually, unreal. A little prolonged, but yes, a little unreal. hypnotizing, you know, yeah, a little was, hypnotizing. It was... Uh, it reminded me of like a Pokemon character, like Mewtwo, but the sound mac- of it, mm, yes, yes. I also, what I another thing I didn't like, uh, two things one is like we saw when Steven Yoon and the, the 40 people got coughed up, they showed the inside of the animal, right? I didn't like that, it looked kind of yeah. cheap looked it didn't look good i'd rather see the pov from the ground i like why why us if we're looking at it from a ground perspective why do we get as viewers get to see the inside of this alien like it makes no sense for we that we didn't need we to. wouldn't know that yeah and we didn't need to know if that. we just got no.
0: the vomiting of blood on the house that's enough. yes
1: yes and that that would explain exactly and then the other thing i didn't like daniel kaluuya Unless he's a low key genius, I didn't get that vibe, but he was always a step ahead on everything, saying, Oh, he it's not it's not a ship. It's like before we
0: knew. I think it like, goes with him understanding non-humans, because I think they established at in the beginning of the movie he's not great communicating with other human beings, but he is good at communicating and understanding animals and creatures, such as horses or even like this 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 alien, you know. It's, yeah, that's, like, that's what like, don't I thought.
1: Like, after- don't look at it. Like don't another thing. It's funny because Don't Look Up came out last year. This could have been called Don't Look Up. <laughs> like, Honestly, you're right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Was like, This could have been called Don't Look Up. But um, I do like Nope. It's also very catchy.
0: Amazing, and, like when Kaluuya's in the car, doesn't want to make eye contact, opens it, like hilarious sequence when he looks up in the sky and he's like, Nope, nope, nope. Or like the little like,
1: aliens that are jupe's kids that are dressed up as aliens. And he goes, Nope, nope, nope.
0: Yeah, yeah like... <laughs> a perfect name for this movie to be honest i like i loved it don't look up actually like i agree it's like on par with like the same level um i do want to talk about the ending of this movie uh the ending of this movie had a lot of interesting interesting decisions we talk about uh daniel kaluuya and there was no consequences in terms of the main stars of this movie we had what's his face with the graveling voice and the guy who wants to get the one shot forgot that actor's name i'm gonna look it up real quick um I thought he owned it in like the 10 minutes of screen time he did. I thought he was incredible. I thought it was appropriate that his character died trying to get the quote-unquote impossible shot, right? Uh, but I feel like Daniel Kaluuya should have died based on this movie, right? Sacrificing himself for the importance of family, making sure that his sister's going to be okay, and almost had like that Django-style ending after they get the shot, right, where it hit with him on the horse. That also felt like a Tarantino tribute right by the ending of it. So what do you think of the decision for Chloe to actually live, not sacrifice himself for his sister. And there was no real consequences for our, our main duo
1: here. That's probably my biggest flaw of the movie. Uh, to be honest, like for spoilers, I think. Uh, yes, I understand. Yes. There were consequences with the family with like the first or second scene of the movie with their dad dying, Keith David. And he's kind of overlooming the two of them throughout the rest of the movie. But you know what? He, Within in that one scene, barely any lines like whatever, like that's not big enough. And especially when you look back at a flashback of Daniel Kaluuya and and Kiki Palmer saying the importance of that character when Keith David's character, their dad, was like selling her favorite horse or her horse that was for her birthday, her horse, and using that for Hollywood and not for her personal um, just enjoyment, happiness. And but Daniel Kaluuya's character, O.J., is there for her as, like, kind of the father figure, right? And then does, like, the eye thing. It's like, okay, that makes sense. And then by the time, him sacrificing himself for her to get away, but nothing happens because of it? Very odd. When he's looking at the alien. When he's looking at the alien. So it's, like, drawing the alien towards him. It's like like he's
0: accepting his fate when he's looking
1: at it. Exactly. Things just didn't connect at all. And I think consequences should have been made. And I think... You can't say Stephen Yeun's consequence either because he didn't have enough screen time to say, oh, like, like that was huge and impactful to a la Key Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya. Right. And I think the antlers one, it's Michael Wincott, by the way. The- I, the asked, I pulled, I pulled it
0: up, too. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think he was good. I actually wish I could understand a little more of him. Uh, I, 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 lo- was- I, I thought
0: it was perfect what they did with his character. I loved it. It was just like this guy's in and out. Just a filmmaker yeah. wants to get the shot. He wants the impossible shot. Guess what? You get to get an alien. And he's dying getting the shot. And he acknowledges like no one's going to see this, but I I obtained the impossible.
1: Right. You know? And like you could tell that he's kind of bored with his life when like they're calling him and like he's kind of editing uh, his shots. From True. Other, like another documentary, he's kind of bored and he's kind of like not satisfied so I do actually come. – I've come like 180 on that. I do like the story arc with that character. I just wish I kind of understood a little more what he said.
0: Um, I did want to talk about the ending of this movie, also the fact that they get the shot, the fact that Kiki Palmer does get the shot. They use the well that's in the amusement park to get this high-quality image of this alien, right? I think that goes against the, like, themes of, I guess, clout chasing and, like, how – there was a consequence to trying to do these things and profit off these things for selfish gain. We see we have the whole scene with the guy from TMZ who looks very mysterious in this white type of helmet. And he pays the consequence for trying to gain the shot. And it seems like the whole point of this third act could have been like caring for family, protecting family. You see Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's character grow closer together. Yeah. At the end, Kiki Palmer's, concerned about the shot and she gets it like to me it goes against like the theme of the movie and they chose like the happy ending where everyone lives they get the shot and then we're out of there and it feels like that goes against like us wasn't a happy ending and it feels like he kind of diverts and goes like spielberg route When's the last time a spielberg movie didn't have a happy ending well you know oh whoops uh,
1: no spoilers for close encounters okay but, um, okay. but i I I if, if Danny Clue's character OJ died and they got the shot. That's like, oh, you suffer the consequences. Yes. Right. You that's that, why I should have died.
0: Exactly. They didn't do that.
1: I think you're right. I like how they connected it, by the way, the shot. They used the jupe's carnival manual photo. I did like that. Clever. Everything connects beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. And yeah, no, I agree. I think just things just didn't pan together. Now that we're talking about this, I want to reduce my score just like talking about it. But again, I think there's just like a fluctuation. The, like, I think we're also... And then we say another thing. Um, and I think that definitely... Sounds like
0: we're hating on it. We're just pointing out criticisms. Like yeah, this was an unreal yeah. movie experience. Like seeing that play out the way it did. And like, you can't really complain of a happy ending sometimes. Like, yes, like as a, in terms of like critical score or like what actually fits this script and what do the what do these characters deserve. At the same time, like... I don't want to see Daniel Kaluuya die in a movie. <laughs> Come on, you know. It's just like I like it's just how it goes sometimes. It's just it fits the character, should have died if you got the shot. If you sacrifice the shot for like their lives, it makes sense. It's kind of mm. contradictory again. But also, I
1: away. also I think just we're, talk- we're talking about Jordan P.O. consequences movies and happy and unhappy endings. He said the original version of Get Out, he has Daniel Kaluuya going to jail. Yeah, that would have been
0: quite the message and that would like generate a lot of conversation right like that would have been nuts
1: yeah so i don't think he's afraid of an unhappy ending now that he has a critical acclaim and kind of free ran to do whatever he wants now with big budgets my god if he I, did I, that th- and get out dude like, yeah I yeah. people would have freaked out with that yeah. ending
0: oh my god i like, i can't believe he said that i didn't know idea that would
1: have been something yeah. else so i think in this movie, it's like you could he could have done it. Like he literally had free reign, but he didn't do it. I think that's telling, and I think that's a mistake.
0: Maybe he'll do it next time. I don't know. Like it's just got, I, I think I don't know. He had a chance. You're right. And he just didn't pull the trigger. It's fascinating, though. It's fascinating. This movie's gonna be talked about a long time, like even just like not in terms of those decisions, the chimp scene we're gonna talk about, just the visuals of this movie, and also leaving the audience on their toes. But any other thoughts before we wrap up this review?
1: See this in theaters if you're still listening and you'd like listen to spoilers like Dr. Doc o Senior. Um, like you're in spoilers before seeing the movie and you you haven't seen it, go see it. Even with these spoilers, it's a spectacle, it's a cinematic event, movie theater, movie. Definitely go see it.
0: 100, percent Ricky Flex, well said, and uh, that's gonna do it for episode 120. Uh, oh, it's 129, yeah. What is episode 129 of the Drive-In Podcast? Oh, my God. It's a lot of episodes. Make sure you're checking out our feed if you're listening right now. Hit that follow button, but also check out our San Diego Comic-Con recap. We give we give our most anticipated projects of phases four through six, a.k.a. the multiverse saga of the MCU. Make sure you're tuning in later in the week for our review of The Gray Man. Okay? So go along with that. Make sure you're following us on YouTube. Uh, and then also twitter and instagram at the drive in pod for all movie news that's coming out destin daniel creighton new director of avengers kang dynasty make sure you're following the blog for our takes on that all right that's gonna do it until next time we will